that all this good of evil shall produce, and evil turn to good more wonderful than that which creation first brought forth, light out of darkness, full of doubt I stand, whether I should repent me now of sin, by me done or occasioned, or rejoice. Paradise Lost, John Milton. Hello and welcome to the Ducks Never Waver Lunch Break, where you get food for thought and can rejuvenate to sally forth. He's Edwin the brother. She's Megan the sister. And today we are talking about how did pain become misery? Well, we can look at Genesis 3, where this is after Adam and Eve have eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the the curse is that, that God will greatly multiply their sorrow. In pain you shall bring forth children. And then he says to Adam, curse is the ground, in toil you shall eat of it. So, like we talked about in the, in the first episode, pain isn't all bad. It's, it's helpful and it's protective. But there is certainly this side where it is a punishment, where it is un, like not, it's unnecessary in the, in the sense that it is from our own. Mm-hmm. And it turns to misery. It's, it's more beyond the, it goes beyond just the, oh, that's hot. Don't touch that. Got it. You know, move on with life. There is especially the emotional pain. There is long-term suffering from physical pain and it it just becomes unbearable in so much so that some people even commit suicide because of too much pain where did this all come from we can say this comes from adam grasping for for the fruit of knowledge of good and evil and he he brought about all this suffering because he wanted to be god and i love milton he's just he's just like you know, all this good of evil, you know, evil is going to turn to good and it's going to be more wonderful because, you know, out of this darkness, we can see the light and how much more wonderful is it going to be that we have light because the sin, the darkness of sin is going to cover us and the light's going to just seem all more wonderful. Yeah, this is, this is Adam saying, look guys, it's not going to be so bad. Things are going to be, you know, so much better because of it. So I don't, I don't know if he's trying to just kind of say, buck up everyone. I didn't, I didn't mess up that bad. (laughs) That is the typical response when you see people mess up real bad. They're going to be like, you know what, but I'm going to work on myself. And this is just going to be the beginning of new and more wonderful things. And you're like, no, (laughs) you messed up, bro. Yeah, you messed up and it's going to hurt. But... There, there is a interesting idea in the the Felix Culpa or the lucky fall idea that Milton brings forth, that going through the pain, going through this, um, there is that contrast that you in, enjoy the light so much more because you've been in darkness. Yeah, and and when we see light against darkness, it is more powerful. That, that doesn't mean that, that the suffering in and of itself is good, but there is the potential for greater contrast, greater growth, greater 
there can be something more out of pain. So I, I think that's a little bit of, of hope. That idea that you can have growth out of pain is where we're directing ourselves now. So not not dwelling on the fact that life is drudgery. And this is very practical because most people, maybe not most people, but quite a few people go about their daily tasks, their work as just this utter hell of, yep, back to the grindstone. And if that's all it is, then yeah, we are to be very pitied as, as creatures. But thankfully, there is something more that can come out of pain. Yeah, and that there's that, that work was not evil in itself. That it's a good thing. It's a pleasurable thing. It was always there. It wasn't like, now you got to work. But it's just now the work's going to be a curse. The land's going to fight you back. Yeah. That you're going to have to work that much harder at it. So what do you think was Adam's motivation then? Like, if he knew that this is going to cause some pain, which I'm assuming he, he did, right? Because it's pretty clear, don't eat of that. But then... Eve is deceived by the serpent and gives gives the food to Adam and he eats of it. So I think you touched on it earlier. Did you want to expound on that more? Well, I, he thought he was going to be God and he wasn't going to have to pay for any consequences. He did just because, in a way. Why, why did you take that? Well, just because it was there. Why, why did you steal that cookie? You didn't, you, like, is it wrong to eat the cookie when your mom said not to eat the cookie? He's like, yeah, but you did it anyways. Why? Well, just because you wanted the cookie. And Adam wanted the, the fruit because he wanted to be God. And it's interesting that, like, it's the one thing he couldn't have that he wanted. Like, he got all the creation, and it's that one thing. I was, I was talking to a friend, and he said, the only thing is if we were placed back in the garden and we had that choice again, the time between us making that choice for the, the, the wrong fruit would be so much quicker. We would just go there so much faster. <laughs> no, we, we really would. I know to, to think of like, to be so uh, proud and say like, Oh, I wouldn't do that. I would listen to God. It's like, no, like we, we, we would seize for that fruit right away. Yeah. And I, I, find it interesting that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and then we're talking about pain and good and evil sides of pain right what is it is it good or is it evil or is it good and evil is it because like what we're saying is like is there a judgment on pain and there's definitely a judgment we're making judgments all the time and we we even have set different judgments of that's a good pain you hear that all the time when you're working out. That's a, that's a good burn. That's, that's, that's a good hurt, right? Well, what does that mean? We're making a judgment on that pain because that some pains are going to bring about growth and others are going to bring about destruction. I think our, our self-nature is, is to be destructive, that we're naturally on this, this path of, of seizing at that power at doing harm to ourselves because we want to play God. Oh yeah, headlong running into to self-destructive behavior. Even like you're always holding that in check, right? Because like so easily, like oh, I ate the wrong food. It was self-destructive, right? 
It's like you can't even control what you're going to put in your mouth. <laughs> like you're the, the one deciding to eat the donut, fatty. And then, but, you know, it's also, I shouldn't spend as much time on my phone. Well, you're the one deciding to do that. Like it, It's a choice. Why can't you make the right choice? I was like, well, you can just blame it on your anatomy. Like the, the dopamine centers, like that's something we're going to get to later. But what is addiction? Like sometimes addiction gets played off as something you don't even make a choice over. But you're making the choice whether to be addicted, like to, to give yourself that opportunity to feel those endorphins and the dopamine and all that stuff. So at some point, somewhere along the way, there was a choice. Yeah, and I, I often our choices are so deep-seated that they're not conscious. It's like, oh, I'm going to think of something self-destructive to do today, and I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. But we, we do. We have those, those subconscious ideas, and we just kind of let the, those things take hold of us. Yeah, you take those self-destructive ideas, you can't, you can't shake them, really. Not without some external help. Yeah, and you do need help. You need a community to to help you. And it, it can be small things. It doesn't have to be, like, just completely destroying your life. That's not what I mean. Like, we, we do these little things, though. Like, we don't deal with the things in our life. Like, there's something causing us stress, but we don't want to deal with it. But in a, like, just mm-hmm. like that, you let that stress you out without dealing with it when you can... It's just making that that decision to just like self-destruct, that decision to not take care of your body, that decision to yeah, not not to to, to build a healthy life, to not wash the dishes, to not fold yeah. your clothes, to not shovel the driveway. I'm just listing off the things I didn't do today. Yeah. I'm going I'm going to get to them later, you know. And Of course. <laughs> it's it's uh what, you think I was perfect? I, mean, I hate to break it to you all. I'm not perfect. Just ask my wife. No, and that's the thing. Like, none, of, none of us is perfect, and that's kind of the, the idea. Since the fall of Adam, we all ha- have this tendency. But we are redeemed. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be that way. And, but it's also okay that you, you can't just like beat yourself up over everything and I don't think just like being more disciplined being you know better more the time is going to make you have a happy life I I don't think that pressure necessarily helps you that that can be self-destructive in itself yeah I mean when it comes to discipline I think the first thing you have to realize is that you can't be disciplined in and of yourself Mm -hmm. you gotta reach outside of yourself like that you can't work that up because you're just gonna find out you're just a failure because like even if you were through the like a pinnacle of self-willed strength you would never achieve the levels that you knew you were capable of what i mean is if you were somebody who was able to work up the like waking up at 4 30 every day and then first getting a workout and then going and crushing all, you know, economic barriers to you and your family, you you would realize that you're still falling short because guess what? We're all falling short all the time. So that's the thing about being finite. So you can't just expect that self-discipline to be the thing that's just going to always 
bring you not just to happiness, but to a good life. I, I think I think we always look in American culture for happiness. And happiness is a little bit more fleeting than we'd like to believe. It's not going to always be there in all things. But what we want to live is is a good life. And how you how you uh, put the parameters on what is good is is what matters. Yeah, and I, I think it is very important that you look out of yourself. That it's it's not all about you. That that you're you're going to have freedom when you start looking outside of yourself. When you you look to to Jesus Christ and His redemption, then your pain and everything you're going through is put into perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then. Well, I mean, then you don't have to worry about death. And like, let's let's face it, the whole time we're alive, we're dealing with death. It's that contrast. Yeah, and pain is a reminder of death because pain is a reminder of our creatureliness. Yeah, it's it's a reminder that oh, you're you're not going to live forever. You're not like that's part of aging. That's the hard thing about aging is like slowly mm-hmm. your your body is becoming less than. Yeah. It, 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 you go from 18 and it's like, oh, I hurt myself. Let me go, you know, sleep and then I'll wake up and I'll, everything will be working fine. And then the next day, you know, you, you turn a little bit older in your 30s or whatever. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, that's messed up now. Going to walk with a limp now for the next, you know, 40 years. I know. When you start thinking about every in- injury that you get, you're like, oh, no, <laughs> it's going to be with me forever. <laughs> You kind of turn out like that car that in the in the cartoons that just kind of barely makes it there, and then all the wheels fall off and the doors fall off, just dust heap. <laughs> that that's we're going to turn back to dust. We're going to be there. Yeah, and actually, I mean that's a that's a great comfort. Yeah. I think that it doesn't really matter in the end because you you are going to return to death to dust mm-hmm. and like what you just said there it doesn't really matter like people right. get all bent out of shape when you like use that terminology but what it means is that we can take comfort in the fact that this life matters but it's not the end state right and that your your status your your wealth and mm-hmm. whatever all of that is is not the end all that's not what matters right what, what matters is something more transcendent than that well, with that, I think we're going to give um, a tip on something that we were talking about, that recovering from a workout or just injuries can be actually harder than the actual workout. Oh, yeah. And so doing that stretching before and after, you like to foam roll, right? I don't like to. It's one of those things where I do it because that is 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 keeping the self-destructive nature at bay. <laughs> it, it is it is the good pain. It hurts so good. It does. It doesn't hurt. It hurts bad. And you got. I, I just realized. So this foam roller I I got out as I moved out. You guys gave me the aggressive one. We gave it, you the mean one. It it's basic. Okay, imagine a tract like a tractor, like a, a farm tractor tire, big old knobby tire. In that digging into your body. That's what that's what that is. There's no give. It's not a foam roller. It it's a tire roller. It's You're welcome. <laughs> oh. But you know, it works. It it gets those knots out. It gets the blood flow back going to the muscles. So I would rec that is our tip for dealing with pain. Your little life hack. 
Yeah, and like if you're if you're someone who sits all the time, like maybe just a 10 minute walk, like that will really help with the stiffness. Stretching really helps, and that's something that will help your body recover. Mm-hmm. What, when did we ever give up on jumping jacks? You know, like that used to be in schools. Like they have everybody do jumping jacks, right? Like why did we give up on those? I don't know. We should bring it back. Totally. The, moving your arms and your legs in tandem, getting the blood pumping. You know, it's like low impact because you're not jumping up and down that high. I'm. It's probably better for you than running, honestly. You can do it in your room. You, you can do it in your bathroom. You know how small my bathroom is? <laughs> I do. Yeah, it's, it's not huge. You can still do it in there. Just watch your arms. If you're if you're tall, you might whack the ceiling. But yeah. it you can do jumping jacks, and they will they'll relieve pain. All right, y'all heard it here. Bring back jumping jacks. Hey, I'm just saying, like you know, all those photos from like schools in the 40s. They were, they, like New York City. They were doing jumping jacks, and then they were doing swimming lessons on these little swing things. That's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> You're gonna take that because they didn't learn how to swim in the water. Yeah, they, yeah. they couldn't because like it's it's New York City. There's no pools, and it's in the winter, so they're not gonna go and jump into the Hudson or whatever, and. I, I think we need to bring back jumping jacks and swinging on swimming on swings. All right, we'll we'll make that happen. <laughs> Thank you. Make sure you check out Ducks Never Waver on Instagram and Facebook. In the store right now, we have some really cool looking macrame wall hangings. They're all on the smaller side, so if you're looking for a little pop of texture, it would look really good on art collages. If you like to, to mix all your art pieces together on one wall, that would add a lot of interest. Mm-hmm. You know what? I think people think of macrame. First of all, they're like, what, what, what? Are we back in the 70s? And it's like, no, no, this is a new thing. Why is it new? Why is it new? Well, it is, it is an old thing done new. It's freshened up. The new knots, new styles, a little bit more contemporary, different medias are being used. Also, when people think macrame, they think of two words. They think of garish and gaudy. And, man, do those words go well together, garish and gaudy. Why aren't these garish and gaudy, Megan? Because I made them. Okay, see? You got it there, right? The truth just spreading out from this microphone here. They're not garish and gaudy because, one, they're not monstrously sized. Two, they are using knots that have more of a classical feel to them. So it's like, do you, do you like Celtic knots? Yeah, now you can have an actual Celtic knot on your wall. You don't need to do like, like oh, I, I like that, but like just it's a drawing of a Celtic knot. No, it's an actual physical, tangible Celtic knot on your wall. Yeah, I was very much inspired by those those endless knots. Because I just, you can look at them endlessly. (laughs) (laughs) I got him, folks. I got him. Oh, my. It was terrible. But, no, I I like those knots because they they kind of, like, thinking about the pain, like, good, evil, you know, that kind of cycle of, like, self-destruction, redemption, that... It's it's kind of I, I like to think in circles. It's a circle, man. A circle and a cycle. It's a cycle. So all things have seasons, have cycles, and to me that's that's what I was thinking about when I was, you know, learning about these these knots. Yeah. I mean they're they are actually the antithesis antithesis to garish and gaudy. They are beautiful and sublime. What they really do is they add texture to your wall, not like you know, like popcorn texture to your ceiling did. 
But what they do is they start a conversation. And also what you got to see is what Megan did here is she started off with the base. So the base is that stick that it hangs from. It's a highly overlooked part of the whole art piece because a lot of times there's just a dowel from the hardware store, straight and plain. You know, they took a whole magnificent tree and they just turned it down like a pencil into a stick. It's not what happened here. These are these are collected. These are foraged, naturally foraged from the ground. The, the tree gave it up. The tree was like, here you go. Here, here's an art piece for you. Yeah, here's a gift. The Mumsy and I had so much fun. <laughs> we went for a walk by the dunes. And they just were all over the place and just these gorgeous weathered sticks. Yeah, and one thing that the macrame does is it actually pulls your attention to that because you base the design off of the stick. So if you can imagine, what, what poetry does is it calls your attention to detail. What this macrame does is it calls your attention to, to the detail of, of the natural beauty of sticks. Really what you have here is poetry and knots. Endless knots. Endless poetry and knots. I don't know how you could ask for better, folks. I'm not going to add to that. <laughs> All right, come back, folks. We're going to be talking about the growth of pain. We're going to talk about redemption. We're going to talk about music. How does that relate to pain? We're going to find out. Stay quacky, friends. <laughs> 